In just a moment, I am going to be leading you in a part of God's story called the Book of Ruth. Now, children in this community, as part of their learning, walk through the entire Bible. And it is my hope that the story, as I bring it to you, will remind you of things that you have already learned. But there's a second thing I want to say, and that is, as some of you know, we had at some time ago two women that helped our children between services memorize parts of God's story. They memorized the Sermon on the Mount, and they memorized the book of James, and then at one point in time presented it to us. And it was a source of great delight for me to work with those parents, working with our children, that we could help God's word come alive. Some of you as adults have been part of some memorization projects. The Mahabit Church is right now working on chapters 1 through 8 of Romans and chapters 12 to prepare in English and Farsi for their Easter celebration on April 12th. With that in mind, I want to be sure, those of you that are children here that have understood what I've said so far, uh, can see what takes place. So if you are a parent with a child that you think would enjoy this, make sure you're seated in a manner that your child can truly see and engage. The final thing I want to say by way of introduction, again for children and their parents and for all of us, is that uh, we want this time not simply to be led by the Holy Spirit, but that the Holy Spirit would work with power in a manner that helps us understand God's story and helps us to apply it to our lives. So would you join me in a prayer? Our God in heaven, we are so thankful that not only did you make us and enable creation to declare your praises, not only did you send Jesus Christ to be your final word, answering and speaking into human life, but we are thankful that you've given us the Bible, the Word of God, Scripture, which we are told by Scripture is inspired by you, and that it is useful not simply for teaching, but for rebuking us, correcting us, teaching us, equipping us, training us in your righteousness, preparing us to be mature witnesses of you. We are thankful that your scripture is the sword of the Spirit, that you use your scripture to transform us, that we might be able to test and approve what your will is, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. O oh Lord, we have no desire to misuse Scripture. We pray that your word will bring us to you, Lord Jesus, and that through it our lives would be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that my Redeemer lives. Are the words sung in a song in the Messiah written by George Frederick Handel that have become famous? I know that my Redeemer lives. These words actually come from the book of Job, spoken by a man during his deepest suffering. The exact words which say, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. 
Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, when told that his wife would have a son who would announce the coming of Jesus, says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Mary, the mother of Jesus, echoes these words when she breaks out in songs saying, my soul magnifies or glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Many of you here have and can say these words, I know that my Redeemer lives. We rejoice that even in this past week, those of you that are part of the face-to-face -face community led by John and Lucy sitting in the balcony this morning, you know that this week four of you part of that community, Lily, Candy, Charlie, and Eric, gave their lives to Jesus, receiving him such that they can say this day, I know that my Redeemer lives what I want to do in these next few minutes with you is very, very simple. I want to bring this story from the book of Ruth to you, a story that speaks of how our Redeemer lives. And I want to highlight as I bring the story and then make a few comments after at the magnitude, the radiance, and the unique personal and yet cosmic ways that God redeems not simply individuals, but all of his creation. As I lead you into the story, I want to make a few comments that will help you enter the story, particularly for those of you that are unfamiliar with it. The story comes after the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. And the story starts out in the days when the judges ruled. And the author is saying it in that way to remind us how much things didn't follow God's rule. In fact, the time of Judges we read in the book of Judges was a time when people were doing what was right in their own eyes so that God would often place them under other nations to rule over them until finally they would remember God and they would cry out to God and God then would raise up judges for a time to redeem them from their captivity that they had fallen into because of their own sin. At the time of the book of Ruth, it says that there was a famine in the land and there are many who say that this famine was not caused by natural causes. It was caused by these enemy nations oppressing the people. In fact, in Judges 6, so bad was this oppression leading to famine that we read that the Eastern peoples, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other Eastern peoples, which would include the Moabites, came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts it was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian and the eastern people so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. 
Last thing I want to mention so that you can enter into the story more fully with me has to do with names in the story. There's a family in the story, and the father in the story's name is Elimelech, which means God is king. But it's Elimelech that leads his family away from the land of God's promise to the land of Moab. Then there's his wife, whose name is Naomi, which means pleasant one. But later in the story, she tells people, call me Mara, which means bitter one. And we'll see why. The final name I want you to note is the name of Boaz. Boaz, we find out in the story at the end, is the son of Solomon. But what you wouldn't know from the story, but is important for you to know, that Boaz, Boaz is also the son of Rahab, who was a prostitute living in Jericho at the time of Joshua, who identified with God's promises and stood with God and with his people, married then later Solomon, and they gave birth to a son named Boaz. With that in mind, I invite you to hear this story as I bring it to you. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man from Bethlehem in Judah went to live for, uh, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the land of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. These married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malan and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. So she, with her two daughters-in-law, prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said, to her two daughters-in-law. Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord show favor to you, show kindness to you, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that you will find rest in the home of another husband, that you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed her daughters-in-law goodbye. And they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi replied, return home, my daughters. Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. 
for I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth answered, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that she was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. The women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. She said to them, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, just as the barley harvest was beginning. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to her mother-in-law, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, or it just so happened, she was working in a field that belonged to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. The harvesters answered. Then Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who, who, is that, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer answered, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. So she came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. 
don't go and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. But stay near the women who work for me. Watch the fields where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she fell down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you should notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord bless you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to me, even though I do not have the status of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah, or about 30 pounds. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Then she, that is Ruth, brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth the Moabite told her about the place where she had been, about, about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. Oh, the Lord bless him, Naomi replied. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She then said, that man is one of our close relatives, one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth said, he even told me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to her her daughter-in-law, it would be good for you, my daughter, to stay with the women who work for him, for in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed near the women of Boaz until both the barley and the wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-laws. Now, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, "My, my daughter, I must find a home for you 
where you will be well provided. Now, Boaz, with whose women you've worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. I will do everything you have said, she answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told him to do, told her to do. When Boaz, who had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, went to lie down at the far end of the grain pile, Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he said. They didn't have electricity, likely not candles, so stay with the story. Who are you? I, I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are one of our guardian redeemers. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you have done earlier. You have not gone after younger men, whether rich or poor. Don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you all that you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true, that I am a guardian redeemer of our family. There is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here the night, and in the morning, if he will do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he will not, if he is not willing to do so, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here till morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. He also said, no one, no one must know that a woman came down to the threshing field. He also said to her, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures, six measures of barley. He then placed the bundle on her. And he went back to town. When Ruth came back to her mother-in-law, she asked him, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything that Boaz had done for her and added, he even gave me these six measures of barley, saying to me, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned was, came along. 
He said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. And he did so. Then Boaz took 10 of the elders of the city and said, sit here. And they did so. Then Boaz said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest you buy it in the presence of these people and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you redeem it, tell me so that I know. But if you will not, please say so that all of us can hear. Oh, I will redeem it, the guardian redeemer said. Then, Boaz said, on the day you purchase the property from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead on his property. Oh, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might put at risk my own inheritance. You redeem it yourself. I cannot redeem it. Now, in former times in Israel, for the redemption and legalization of, uh, for the redemption and finalization of property, one party would take off his sandal and give it to another. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said, buy it yourself, and he took off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property that belonged to Elimelech, Kilian, and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Malan's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family and from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Then the elders and the people seated there said, today we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have stature in Ephrathah and be famous in Babylon. May the offspring the Lord gives you by this woman be like Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he be famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For this daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Naomi took the son into her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, as a son. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Paris. 
Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Remember, the husband of um, Rahab. <laughs> Salmon, the husband of Boaz. Boaz, the father Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David, from whose descendant would come the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great story? I want to take you back 15 years and six and a half years and simply make three comments from thousands that could be shared that came out of those two settings. Let me explain the settings and then make briefly the comments. The first setting 15 years ago was in a remote place in Central Asia where national interns, we didn't have national staff at the time, and a few foreigners gathered in a remote location in a Soviet-style building in the middle of winter that had no heat to spend a week in manuscript study from the Book of Ruth. For those of you new to this church community, this is a form of inductive study where we value one another as equals at the table to share our observations, ask our questions, and try to answer the questions from the passage before us this gathering of about 20 people was one in which people shared, everyone had time to share their own story and the rest of the community would pray for them. Many of them experienced deep sufferings and a great deal of pain in their life as most of them came from Muslim families that had not embraced their embracement of Jesus Christ. At the end of that gathering, we took time to share some applications. And the three that I want to share with you fueled my life then and continue to fuel it now from this story. The second setting was six and a half years ago. Barbara and I had been part, invited to be part of this church community. We would not formally step into our role until six months later. And we wanted to introduce this community, again, to manuscript study. The joy of sitting down together as equals to explore a passage and chose, at that time, the Book of Ruth. And again, some of the insights shared then have fueled me and continue to fuel me now. The first comment I want to make from the story, as you each have seen it, is that God, as our Redeemer, is personal. God, as our Redeemer, is personal. He has made each of us unique. And each of us faces unique situations in our lives. We experience unique pains in our lives. 
we get a deeper window into one of the people in this story, Naomi, who had been known to the people, oh, she's the pleasant one. And the story doesn't make clear. Was it their sinful choices that led them away? What we do know, though, is that her husband declared by his name that God is king and that the end result of their choices is that she had become bitter toward God, such that in her bitterness, he tells, she tells her daughters-in-law to go home to their people and to their gods. She does not say, put your hope in the God of Israel. Go back to your gods. There's nothing I have to offer you. Her life had not gone as planned. She was entrapped by her bitterness. And yet we see that God redeems her. What are you trapped in? What are people close to you trapped in? What are people in the world trapped in? God brings his redemption in personal ways. For Naomi, he causes her to hear, the Lord has come to the aid of his people by bringing food for him. The Lord empowers her to act and begin to make the move and the humiliation of going back to her homeland. The Lord does so many things in her life, including bringing a daughter-in-law that the women of the community say loves you even more than seven sons. Provides her with the remembrance of a guardian redeemer who can not only renew her life, but sustain her in her old age. God, our redeemer, is personal. God, our redeemer, is personal, such that by the end of the story, the women of the town are saying about Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, our Redeemer lives. But there's another comment from this story that I want to make, and I can still remember 15 years ago when the man who said it spoke it, and the Spirit of God took it into my life never to forget. He said, I marvel at how God uses seemingly insignificant acts of obedience to contribute to his cosmic redemptive purposes. <laughs> your acts of obedience, your responses to God, that you might think are insignificant are not. God uses your seemingly insignificant acts of obedience to contribute to his cosmic redemptive purposes. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is where Naomi gives permission to Ruth to go into the fields to glean behind the harvesters, clearly not a safe venture for a young, attractive woman. 
but she lets her go. Such was her hopelessness. And that next verse says, as it turns out, or it just so happened. <laughs> How many times in your lives every day don't you experience from God it just so happened? As we step in obedience to him, we do not see the end of his redemption. I am so full of hopelessness. I'm so full of bitterness. I'm so full of loneliness. I have so many questions about God. But Lord, I'm going to step. And we see it just so happens. God's work. And then he uses these things in the book of Ruth in ways that leave us in awe of God. That choice of Rahab and Jericho, who would have thought that her offspring in Bethlehem at a time when everyone is doing what was right in their own eyes would model the redemptive life? How would you like to work for Boaz to be greeted in the morning? The Lord bless you! And to greet back, the Lord bless you! What a great way to go to work every day. This man lived out the gospel. He had been redeemed and was part of God's work to redeem others. And finally, from this story, I delight in how God works in and through a redemptive community. Do you realize the significance when a baby is dedicated? The significance when children are gathered here? You as parents are saying, we believe that through this community, our children will benefit and be brought to know Jesus, our Redeemer. What a grace we have been shown as a community. What a grace was shown to this community in Bethlehem. That as everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, that they remembered some things. They remembered some things, and they practiced them together. Fifteen years ago, as we were applying, one woman, a Kyrgyz woman, had only been a Christian for a couple years, at the end of this week of studies, said, you know, when I, when I think about the story, I can't help but think of Jesus. Is that okay? I remember all of us with just such delight saying, yes, that's okay. For we know that our Redeemer lives. Let's close our service with a couple songs of worship.